And this is what many um, endurance athletes, even experienced endurance athletes overlook. And that is when you have multiple days and you have the windows of sleep and refueling and regeneration in between, it is remarkable how much more you can do than if you try to do it all in a day or two um, or lack of sleep or lack of fuel because the further you go in let's say you were to attempt it in one stretch right the 24 hours what we were talking about earlier now the problem becomes further into that that you can't keep up with the fueling and the hydration so you're ever so gently your body is going into deficit at some point it's at a deficit where now you're just doing damage from a long-term perspective if you were to go on every day not long-term health perspective but long-term if you had to do it again the next day and the next day but because you're doing it all in one stretch you're willing to sacrifice do that now to get it done but if like we were saying from an example four to six hours a day for four to six days in this case um, right. it allows the body really to find a sweet spot and and it's it's remarkable what you'll notice even in your training let's say you do some simulations which is what i would recommend for this that you recognize how the body settles into and recognize what it's doing and helps you along Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Weekly Word Podcast. I'm Chris Hout, AIM Coach, and this is episode 153. The Weekly Word Podcast is an ultra-endurance resource. On this podcast, we talk more than just training details. Each episode, I try to dive into all the aspects of ultra-endurance, recovery, nutrition, mindset, and sleep. Yet an important distinction of this podcast is that I look to bring out the best athlete version in my athletes. Of course, via the training, nutrition, recovery, and mindset, but I also try to connect the athlete with their inner landscape. As I read the other day, the mastery of our physical craft is a reflection of our inner growth. And while mastery is a far-off concept for all of us, I believe our effort towards achieving any sort of mastery will spur that inner growth as well. And while many of you might not have signed up for an ultra-endurance event for those reasons, I still believe the benefits of this training will bleed into other areas of our daily lives, family, professional, community, and so forth. Daily time to care for your mind and your physical self can open doors. The best version of yourself, the creative, energetic, patient, joyful, and grateful side comes into play. Daily self-care in the form of training, nutrition, sleep, and mindset allows you to create from your inner world versus merely consume from the external world. It allows you to be more the author of your life story versus merely a reader of it. I wish to help endurance athletes discover this, this version of ourselves, or more of it. Through daily training that challenges you physically as well as mentally, Endurance coaching can be a transformative experience. I wish to help athletes discover this, this version of ourselves, or more of it, through the daily training that challenges you physically as well as mentally. Endurance coaching can and should be a transformative experience for you as an athlete and as a person. It can actually change the trajectory of your life and relationships. 
The Weekly Word Podcast is an addendum to this. Advice, observations, and tips to support human development along with athletic development. That's effectively my job as a coach and what I convey on this podcast. Your human and athletic development played out in the athletic arena, but overlaying into our daily life. This week, I have another consult to offer. You might wonder why I like to post the consults. I feel they offer real-time coaching insights for all of you. Of course, the participants have agreed to be posted on the Weekly Word podcast, and there are plenty that choose not to. But these conversations capture the excitement of the pending training for an adventure. They capture the foundational aspects on how to build a huge endurance engine and then go into the individual needs of the athlete. And so it is important to always realize this. We are all so unique, not in the adventure, but in how we train for it. No schedule is the same. No history in the sport is the same. No human body is the same. This also captures why I love coaching so much. It's a unique journey everyone is about to go on. Their journey, their trials and tribulations they will be going through over the next months, even years. As I said to David this morning on a call, coaching is like teaching your child how to walk. You can't tell them how to do it. There's no guarantee to a child that they will be walking. They don't even understand that. The beauty of a child learning to walk is that they are not connected to the outcome. They are fully in the process, in the moment, in the present. You can't show them how to walk. They have no correlation to that. They fall and keep getting up and trying again. It's my job as a coach, or as a parent, to encourage, to give feedback, to provide structure, to create an environment of positive reinforcement, to be patient and allow the child to fail. Helping the child to learn versus teaching them. There's no teaching a child to walk. And this is what I love about coaching. Unlocking a person's potential to maximize their own performance. It is helping them to learn rather than teaching them. It's way more motivating for the athlete to bring my expertise to the situation versus just telling the athlete what to do. So the consulting call captures a lot of this. This excitement, this curiosity, these first critical steps of the journey, learning how to walk, letting go of that piece of furniture the child is holding onto and just heading out into the room walking, not knowing the outcome, not knowing what failing means. Same for coaching, letting go of fear and the current state of fitness, crossing the threshold on a new journey, one that requires belief, trust, courage, curiosity, and as the coach, gently helping you continue on your path of discovery, of courage, of trials and tribulations. I don't walk ahead of you, tell you how to walk this path. I want to stand with you, encourage you to continue to be curious and allow your path to unfold for you, uniquely you. But before I dive into the consulting call, I have an email that I quickly wanted to answer because it pertains to the last few podcasts and it came in as a question that I feel is timely. Hey Chris, wanted to seek some guidance following episode 152. 
like you mentioned, April 2021 will hopefully be when events go back on the calendars. I wouldn't be so sure on that, but I think they're definitely going to stretch the effort in order to try to put on smaller events. But back to full events and full bigger events, not so sure, because it's going to take a long time for us to kick out of this current environment, as well as, you know, with the spring and more gatherings regarding Easter and so forth. Who knows? For those of us signed up for Ironman or 70.3 distance events in April, would you also recommend taking time off now from training and focus solely on strength? For how long should we do that without risking meaningful detraining and having enough time to get back to the event level fitness for April? Well, valid question. A proper break from training and focusing solely on strength is about four to five weeks. Would you also recommend taking time off now from training and focus solely on strength? I would. I would. Either way, January, February, March, April are going to be um, difficult months with regards to getting ready for a 70.3 or an Ironman. And the challenge is we have many months, even years ahead of us with achieving our desired outcomes, but not fighting what lies ahead of us and instead of allowing it to organically grow in our training with the warmer weather and the better non-pandemic environment, I would still keep that in mind. There's no guarantees that in April or in May there will be 70.3 in Ironmans. There's a lot of things that have to happen for that to really unfold the way we're familiar with it. And so I would take a long-term approach. I would think about how strength now for four to five, six weeks exclusively, how that gets me through the holidays, how that makes it easier at this time of year. There's not much detraining you're getting in two months of strength. It will come back quickly. And you'll be surprised how quickly it'll come back stronger than before. Most athletes that I work with end up not losing too much fitness and it actually coming back remarkably fast and then feeling remarkably fresh and feeling remarkably powerful with that strength that they look back and are happy that they didn't tax themselves mentally through a hard time of year and the holidays and the stress and everything that goes into it that they also feel fresher and stronger to now train better to absorb the training even more in February, March, and April. So I would surely recommend it for everybody. Many run into a problem here that they just love their activities too much and don't want to fully give it up. Again, we went pro in something other than this. And so if this keeps you happy and you enjoy it and there's no physical fatigue or mental fatigue from it, which I would check yourself, not you, but all of us check ourselves to make sure we're not just doing it to do it because it's something familiar to us every day, but more that we're doing it because we feel invigorated, alive, happy, joyous, energy bucket filling <laughs> versus training. For those athletes, I actually do two weeks of strength exclusively and then one week of easy cycling and running. Currently, very few athletes are actually swimming, so we just focus on easy cycling and running. You know, this is also a week, if you're going to build that into the strength, where you look at it differently and you do more of these soul-filling activities like trail running, like mountain biking, like 
gravel biking in order to continue to apply and use and play with fitness, but nothing structured, nothing on pace, nothing on wattages, and instead just fill the soul by doing an activity that is aerobic, that you have fun with, that you can push the envelope a little bit, that you can go a little bit harder due to the inclines or the terrain. But again, being in the woods, being in the mountains, being on dirt, mountain biking, etc., that fills your soul and might be a better use of your current training time than preparing too diligently for something that is still a big question mark in 16 to 18 weeks. Of course, I have athletes that are currently training for events in the spring, but they're smaller events where the likelihood of them happening is way higher. 20, 30, 50 participants out in the middle of nowhere and nature and so forth that I believe has a good chance of happening versus 1,500, 2,000 people in a tight transition area on a course, on a looped course. And just the optics of that, I doubt we'll have Ironman really putting that type of event out there. I could be wrong, but I think we're in for a longer haul with the vaccine and with our ability to get out of this pandemic than we currently are wanting to project. From that perspective, I would, yes, recommend that. For how long should we do that? It's about five or six weeks of pure strength, but this strength that I'm putting my athletes through is not your typical strength program. It is factored in that there is no other training going on. So three strength sessions per week, the other two, maybe a third one, so that there's five or six workouts per week are more core and um, grind work routine oriented so that you're repeating many rounds of lighter activity on those core days. And then on the strength days, truly working on getting stronger in the activities and the movements that we'll need in the spring and summer without risking meaningful detraining, not something I would worry about. In a good fitness and endurance platform that you have built can go four, five, six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks without getting too detrained. As long as you're doing something, it will respond and come back quickly. Um, and having enough time to get back to event level fitness for April. Well, and it's a question also, can you get back to event level fitness in April by being fresh in February and March and eight weeks of focused, fresh training where you're adapting quickly to the training stress with recovery and getting fitter and fitter, faster and faster. Something I would, um, I would encourage because again, using the seasons, using the time of year, using the current environment, using the current situation to our advantage or not taxing ourselves too much to then again, hit the spring, hit the early summer so that when things move more outdoors and the pandemic is hopefully lightning clear enough that we can actually a be outdoors, get in all the activities, get in some larger group at, um, gatherings and events and enter summer and late summer and fall, hopefully somewhat normal. I hope that answers that question. All right, um, back to our consult. In this discussion, we talk endurance running. Um, more specifically, an athlete that wants to run 24 hours in seven days. 
along with six others that he's doing a relay with. He's going to, over a week, have a relay where all of them run 24 hours. Now, it could be six days of four hours a day and a recovery day or one day of 24 hours <laughs> or uh, three eight-hour days. I don't know. Um, it depends on his training and how he wants to go about it, but those details will follow in this discussion. But the question becomes more, how do we train for running 24 hours in seven days? And especially for somebody quite new to the ultra running space. Enjoy this discussion. There's a lot of uh, little tidbits and nuggets that I hope you glean from it. And until the next episode, have a great week. Enjoy this podcast. Thank you so much. You're in the process of coordinating a long distance running project. Yep. Um, and we're going to go through some training on how to structure it. The plan is based on the speed project with some twists. We'll have seven athletes over seven day period, each attempt to run for a total of 24 hours, making up seven days, 168 hours of running between the team. So the way I understand that, that means over seven days, said athlete will run a total of 24 hours exactly times seven people yeah gotcha okay okay cool yeah that's that's the basic idea and uh i mean i'm still collecting athletes and that sort of thing but mm -hmm. um but it's 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 yeah it's sort of in its infancy but uh i have never taken on something like this and so it seemed like right from the get-go i should be trying to plan as well as possible yeah yeah, well, um, and then, so do you have an idea of how far we're looking to get in those 24 hours? Is that part of it? Is it, or do you have certain blocks, like let's say a, a hood to coast or a Ragnar relay that it's, that you have sort of an expectation or, or a framework for how they'll run? I think it's going to depend hugely on, on who the crew ends up being. I really personally don't have any, uh, for myself, the goal is just to be able to put one foot in front of the other for 24 hours in that week. Um, and I would say I'm, I'm trying to think about it being an average of around 10 K an hour, hmm. uh, for myself. So nothing, nothing crazy. Uh, but, but the focus will be on trying to, to keep, keep on running and, and, uh, inevitably there will be some walking involved, I'm sure. But, uh, but, but the emphasis for me is going to be like, can I keep going at a, you know, at a slow and steady pace, uh, for different people. The only other per I have two other people that are kind of ready to go with this idea so far. One of them has done a lot of, a lot of ultra running and, and that sort of thing. And so I would imagine he might be able to put on a little more mileage than somebody like myself. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, there's no, there's no distance goals. It's really just, um, a suffer fest, I guess, is the best way to put it. Okay. And so high level, you could do the math then that over six days, you're running four hours a day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or, you know, in two hours, two days, 12 hours. A day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hell, if somebody wants to do a, a 24 hour thing for this and get it over with, then mm -hmm. power to them. Um, that's, well, that's and out, you, out of my skill set, but that's for, that's for yeah, sure. You might come across a fair amount of people like that because um, mm -hmm. it's a good way with a with support of a group that would be interested in cracking that 24-hour attempt. 
not even from any type of pace or time uh, distance standpoint, but just doing something for 24 hours straight with the support of six others and so forth might be, mm -hmm. might, you might have a taker for that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not very deep in the running community yet. It's, it's a pretty new sport for me, all things considered. So, um, so we'll see who kind of comes out of the woodwork as, as I keep planning this. I like it. I like it. And um, when are you thinking of doing this? So we have two thoughts in mind, and um, it'll largely depend on some sort of personal stuff happening in my life. Um, mm -hmm. And so we're thinking it's either going to be sometime, I would say, in early June. Uh, or, uh, unfortunately, uh, if that doesn't work, it, it would it would potentially be in the fall or even the next spring. So... I know that that's like a very big window when we're talking about training. Um, but I suppose from my perspective, I was thinking if in theory I was to try and get ready for as early as June and sort of make sure that I am, I'm close to sort of peaking around that time. Um, and then if I have to shift into a different cycle for a while uh, to recover and to, to sort of like take a few steps back and build up to the fall once we get closer to, to knowing if those dates will actually work. Um, that's what yeah. I've been where my head's at. And, um, but that's based off of your own personal life, not due to any logistics or need for charity or raising funds or awareness or anything like that. There's no cutoff for that. No, no, this is, this is a totally just sort of passion project, I think for, for, for myself and for the couple people I've talked to thus far. And, mm -hmm. So we have we have some ties with um, like each of us has ties with a local running uh, running store. I, um, most uh, most people I've talked about this happen to work at running stores, so that helps. So there might be some kind of sponsorship happening there. We've been talking to Lululemon about doing um, doing some content for it as well, um, but but there's no like specific. Uh, fundraising time or anything like that so logistically speaking i think it's really just because it's it's likely going to be every, i'd like to keep it to people in canada um i just don't think people are going to want to run 24 hours in february so uh, <laughs> i'm just thinking of when is the nicest time to run across the country yeah and um are you thinking um doing it one way sorry um are you thinking of going a certain place or distance or virtually or how so will everybody be doing it together I think um, in the same be, location yeah i think everyone ideally i'd like to have everybody spread out so if we can have seven people from seven different provinces i think that would be really cool or or something like that um, if it comes down to you know needing people to be closer to each other for support if it's maybe you know two people doing it from a couple different places and that sort of thing then then we'll see but i would like it to sort of spread across canada great great and any type of uh cause or awareness or just again just for own yeah, giggles so, and curiosity so the people i'm, I'm trying to connect to and, and collect for this are all going to be plant-based runners mm -hmm. uh, and i think i would like each of us to try and raise some amount of money for local uh, farm sanctuaries or or animal rescues or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's sort of, that's the thought surrounding it. Um, right. At the same time though, I don't, um, I don't want to put anybody in a position where they feel like, uh, how do I put this? I want us to do it because it's something we're excited to do and I don't want people to feel like they um, have to be gathering tons and tons of like 
I don't know, content or social media stuff because they're trying to raise funds, if that makes sense. Like gotcha. I want it, I don't want to put that pressure on people. I want it to just be like, that's, it'd be very cool if we can raise some money for this. If we can talk about being these seven plant-based runners who did this cool thing, that's great. But, um, but that's not at the forefront. Okay. And you're all looking to do it at the same time, meaning the week starts at the same time for everybody. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, good. That's uh, it's sort of where I'm at right now with um, my athletes doing a challenge week. It started on Friday and about 35 of them are doing all kinds of various different things this week for seven days straight. Cool. So, yeah, similar with regards to coordinating and um, community and excitement and also not for any type of cause, just because the challenge is out there and to learn that you can do more than you think you thought you could straight out of training and having a, a way to stretch our legs after a year of COVID. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Well, that's exciting. That sounds like a really cool cool challenge good good um for you um what kind of running have you done or how would you uh build up for this if you have any past experience yeah i am i'm a pretty pretty big newbie when it comes to all this okay. i um i started running maybe three or four years ago and i did i think what a lot of people do where i like i got kind of excited about it i ran until i got to you know running a few days a week and made like 15k or something my goal and then kind of stopped and I did that a few years in a row my um my partner is a marathon runner and so I was always sort of exposed to it mm -hmm. but it was never something I really took on um I had always done like climbing and weightlifting and stuff like that and uh and it wasn't until I think this last February that I took one of my dogs on a run and I got like 3k in and I was dying and I was really upset about that idea. And so I shifted gears totally and kind of devoted everything to running. And so built up from there. And um, so the longest I've done thus far in a, in a single go has been um, like, a, I think it was about 56K run. Okay. And um, so, so that's my longest distance in terms of like uh, mileage per week, somewhere around 110. 115 is my my top out that i've done so far okay yeah so i'm yeah. coming at this with like a pretty uh a pretty steep hill to climb and which i'm aware of <laughs> yeah but i mean not that far off because if you've run 56k so six ish seven ish hours mm -hmm. whether it's a little bit more here or there and you already have the sense of having done that given what six and a half seven or more feels like just think of if you were stopping at four how you would bank that energy without having gone into fitness reserves and complete fatigue and being able to do another four the next day um, mm -hmm. and that momentum actually carries on quite well and that's the thing about a week or five days or multiple weeks is once you find the rhythm and optimize to that You'd be surprised how um, easy, for lack of a better description right now, because it does come easier than you think, that um, four hours of running per day, let's say, would be. Um, 
there's a variety of questions of logistics for you is, is that all you'll be doing those that week? Um, so if you're not going to work or if you don't have other stressors or things in your life that will get in the way, so then we're talking four hours of running, even if you did five hours of running or six hours of running, but you give yourself from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., or from 10 a.m. when it's warmer to 6 p.m. That's a lot of time each day and still have plenty of time to refuel, recover, regenerate, sleep, and wake up and do it again. Mm-hmm. So I would um, challenge you actually to not overthink it and, and make it too daunting and realize that it's a process that could that's quite natural for us as humans to be able to run long distances in that format with the proper support and recovery and fueling day after day after day. Um, Would you want to do it for months? No, but can you do it for um, three, four, five, six days with the proper prep for it? I think um, you you should be confident that you will be able to execute that back to that word easily. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that that uh, relieves me a little bit. Yeah. The the this is what many um, endurance athletes, even experienced endurance athletes, overlook, and that is when you have multiple days and you have the windows of sleep and refueling and regeneration in between. It is remarkable how much more you can do than if you try to do it all in a day or two. Um, or lack of sleep or lack of fuel because the further you go in let's say you were to attempt it in one stretch right the 24 hours what we were talking about earlier Mm -hmm. now the problem becomes further into that that you can't keep up with the fueling and the hydration so you're ever so gently your body is going into deficit at some point it's at a deficit where now you're just doing damage Um, from a long-term perspective, if you were to go on every day, not long-term health perspective, but long-term, if you had to do it again the next day and the next day. But because you're doing it all in one stretch, you're willing to sacrifice, do that now to get it done. But if, like we were saying from an example, um, four to six hours a day for four to six days in this case um it allows the body really to find a sweet spot and and it's it's remarkable what you'll notice even in your training let's say you do some simulations which is what i would recommend for this that you recognize how the body settles into and recognize what it's doing and helps you along Um, that is it recognizes the sleep it needs, the calories it needs, the hydration it needs, the downtime it needs, and it quickly adjusts and adapts to that so that you are successful with doing it again the next day and the next day and the next day. So that's often what we find on coast rides, uh, what we find on training camps, and what many of the athletes are finding this week in the challenge week is once you're in that far in, you actually your body takes over and it is remarkably resilient and strong to continue to do that. So okay. in, in your training, as you think about it, you want to think about, I am not training for a one day event and um, complete breakdown. I'm training for many days of just going far enough that I actually can recover quite quickly. 
So that could mean that you start thinking about, well, how do I compress that window um, or simulate that window as soon as I can? So whether it's seven days of one hour running to seven days of two hours of running, right? You don't follow mm -hmm. that up with each other, but you're definitely learning and observing and growing your fitness as you're doing that. But you also see how manageable it is. So mm -hmm. from there, you might even become emboldened and say, all right, I'm going to do more, more or less, um, you know, not less than the 24 hours, but less one day. So you could, let's say, do six, four, six, three, and then you're almost done. Right. Something like that. So there's many ways to have this go. Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, that makes sense that it's, uh, I think, you know, the biggest struggle I've had in any of my longer runs and <clears throat> any of that has been, um, I think the same thing a lot of people deal with is just like proper fueling during runs mm -hmm. that has been, I, I've always had a sensitive stomach and, um, I feel like I have a really good handle on like recovery and, and all that stuff. And, and, but it, there's just been so many times, especially this past summer, where I just like, I really had had issues with that. And, and I've, I've, I've been, I think that's actually been my biggest worry is like, not being able to finish that day, because I've just, uh, I haven't planned properly for that. Yeah. Well, it's very similar to uh, fuel consumption of a car. If you think of it, the faster you go, the more fuel you'll need. And so learning to find a sweet spot where your fuel is burning optimally and you actually have to eat less during the run because you're pulling either from fat stores or from a bigger substantial meal prior that you can go further into that day without having to add on food into the sensitive stomach. The second part would be that the sensitive stomach might be due to the effort level and the speed intensity of the running. And therefore, if you slow it down a bit, you might find it's a lot easier to eat, digest, um, handle the fuel that you're putting in. Because the blood is going to the working muscles if we're going too fast and cannot support the digestion function. Mm -hmm. So... Um, so slowing it down and what you'll learn if you're going to do, let's say six days of four hours a day, that there's a, there's a effort level that does securely ensure that you're going to finish that four hours while still fueling. Add to that, that if you have a significant breakfast or let's say that week, you don't, you're, you're not doing anything else other than this, you mm -hmm. can also think of it. Well, I'm going to have a decent breakfast in the morning. I'm in no hurry. I can start at 10. I can start at nine. I could start at noon if you're doing four hours and you can have a fair amount of healthy, sustainable, um, solid food that carries you two, three hours into the run, but mm -hmm. it needs to be taught to the stomach to take on a fair amount of food and 90 minutes later start running. Let's say easy comfortably but then the the burn off of that breakfast of that topping off of the the stores will be 
gradual and it takes you two and a half, three hours into the run. Now you only have the fuel for the last 60 to 90 minutes. Um, and so you prepare for that, let's say as of two hours, but it drastically reduces the amount of time you need to think about fueling. <clears throat> yeah. or, or you could teach yourself to fuel while you're running, which is also doable then the slower you go if you have no expectations of pace and distance for each day it's quite manageable there's a pace at which we can eat and move now for some it might mean walking for others it could be a light jog for others that they have well trained their stomachs to run and eat at the same time they can run quite fast and still get out a fair amount of food but that's mm -hmm. it you you teach your body that and that's something i would make note of journal on in your training journal over the next few months on how you what you're observing and how the pace is in correlation to absorption of fuel as well as how your stomach's reacting to it is doing mm -hmm. something i i think i if I look back at this past summer, especially in Ontario, it was, it was quite hot. And, um, there were two sort of factors that I think was really holding me back was for any of the long days where I was going four or five hours, I had to start my run at like four 30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I found it really, uh, it was just hard to think about getting up at three and eating for a sure. meal to, to go for that run. And, uh, and so I think I, I sort of set myself up um, to fail a little bit in that sense. And I did have a hard time on those longer runs really sustaining. And then um, just because it was so hot, I also just, I don't know, part of me thinks that maybe I was just pushing my pace too much for the heat. And and um, there was a lot of learning that happened uh, this Certainly. summer, which is great. I mean, it's, it was humbling. I went to school for nutrition. And so mm -hmm. it was very humbling to be like, cool, I know all these things. And yet, ex you know, execution of them is, is a whole other story. And so a lot of what you're saying makes sense. And s it, these are all certainly factors that play into the overall equation. The last factor is how individual we all are and what the optimal absorption is, right? Just because you're eating carbs and protein, as you know, as a nutritionist, um, doesn't necessarily mean that your body's absorbing it. Yeah. And so therefore, where is that uh, sweet spot? And especially on intensities. Now you throw an environment into there, meaning temperature. Again, now the remaining blood flow when not going to the working muscles is trying to cool you and going to the skin and, and trying to create perspiration. And it's a busy process happening. And so adding the incorrect fuels to that at that time is also difficult. Now, right. of course, you're starting on an empty stomach when you start at 430 in the morning, which I would too, but then I would have to be strategic on what I'm eating as of 30, 40 minutes in, because no matter how big your dinner is, as you know, you're pulling from the liver storage of um, carbs of glycogen at that time. And so that while it's sustainable for a good 90 minutes, you run out of energy quickly once mm -hmm. you haven't topped that off. There's a lot of physiology happening there as you're familiar with. So all these things are manageable the better we get to know our body n plus one there's no other body that does it like your body and right. that's the challenge for you okay
So, but what I would do there is I would first build the fitness to run two, three, four, five hours, and then start working more and more of that fitness of two, three, four, five hours to start thinking more and more on fueling and hydrating. So for example, as you're building your fitness, that you designate your one longer run for the week, let's say that's a Saturday or a Sunday or whatever day you choose, but that day you're going to also consciously and very closely monitor how you're fueling, how you fueled prior, how you fueled during, and how you felt in that process. Um, and use that as your weekly sort of input towards this concern. And then you'll have a lot of data over a few weeks and months so that you can really hone in on what works best. I would surely not focus on all the astronaut food for too much of it, the gels yeah. and the chews and the junk like that. But the good thing is they are designed to be easy on the stomach when our fuel source needs to just be straight up glycogen helping us continue to move forward. Um, mm -hmm. The intentions of nuts and fruits and self-made date bars and so forth are all great. But after a while, after three, four hours of that, it no longer is that what the stomach wants to tolerate, has the capacity to probably absorb and digest. And again, you know, we want to get through the day efficiently, executing on what we need to do, and then get to the real food while we're sitting around resting for the next day. And that's, again, the beauty of what you're looking to do. Um, we don't want to put too much stress and concern on what we're putting in during as much as we'd have time pre and post to prep for the next day. Mm -hmm. Now, if the deficit is too great three, four days in a row, by day five, no matter how good you're fueling, it's at a deficit from the days before. You're going to run out of energy earlier and earlier, and then you're doing a lot of walking. Right. So you want to take good care of yourself on the front end. Again, find a fitness level so that the body and muscularly and physically you're not getting too taxed so that that part is not creating a stress. Then managing your fueling and hydration well enough on the first few days so that you can get to day four and five and feel pretty good to manage yourself through the remaining days. Um, like I like to say, whether it's on coast rides or training camps or multi-day running events, it's about how you will be on day four or five or six, not days one or two or three, because you can do a lot of damage there, but it's all built in the, the, the hardware almost that you can survive it. It's mm -hmm. just after many days that then it becomes, you know, you realize that it's a software problem, not a hardware problem. Right, right. Well, that, that actually alleviates... Um, or a lot of pressure that I, I've been feeling. I think um, it's been, you know, probably because we just moved and with everything, it's been probably six weeks since I've been out for like a substantially long run, more than a couple hours. And um, I think I've sort of built it up in my head to be to be this thing where it's it's like a, a stressful event because I'm spending a lot of my time thinking about like, oh shit, am I gonna bonk? <laughs> you know, yeah. and um, reframing reframing that in my head that's actually that's hugely helpful thank you for that yeah 
Yeah, I mean, again, your ability to do it over a week and manage yourself effectively um, allows the infrastructure outside of the run to be more critical than actually the running itself. The running you will train over the next few months to be fit enough for. But with the proper infrastructure, it can be almost a non-event because you'll be fit enough for four or five days of four, five, six hours of running. And now how do I package that into an infrastructure so that now the infrastructure around it makes it even easier on me because I don't have this infrastructure on a usual training week. And now I have extra sleep. I have extra recovery. I have extra food and downtime and prep and hydration and maybe some massage or um, I'm slowing everything else down in order to sit on the couch or recover while I'm doing this week. And, and so it just makes everything easier, better, uh, more sustainable in that week window. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Um, so when, when going about, um, actually, I guess I should ask like with this consultation, like, um, can we get into like how you would structure a training plan for this? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Great. Um, yeah, cause I think, I think overall I, I'm lucky that I sort of set my own schedule more or less. So I have a lot of time to, um, I have at least a decent amount of time to, to dedicate to running at different times of the day, you know, different lengths of time, whatever I can usually make almost anything work, um, which is unique. And I don't know that that'll be the case forever, but it is right now. So I'm willing to take advantage of it. Yeah. Well, I would first start with an overarching theme of how do I want the seven days to go? Do I want to do six days of four hours a day and be pretty close and maybe because I feel good do a seventh day? Do I want to spread it out equally over seven days? Do I want to be sort of the the team leader and do five days of five hours a day and then cheer on or help others in the final two days that's what i think would be question number one because that sets up how you're going to train for it mm-hmm. it's different training for seven hours uh, seven days of you know three and a half hours versus five days of five hours mm-hmm. so okay. high level um, then from there i would work to the the distance i'm looking or the, the hours i'm looking to do once a week So if let's just say we're going to go six days at four hours a day. Um, So I would want to think about how I'm going to increase my weekly volume in a healthy, sustainable way so that I get to once a week running four hours. So that might mean starting at 90 minutes for your long run this week or the, the first week, then building over time to two and a half and over time to three and a half so that you get to four hours and you're feeling pretty good with that, with all the other running you're doing during the week, which would mean, you know, hours, uh, an hour here, hour there, let's say three, four, five days a week. Plus that long run. Um, I would also structure in some strength training and some core work so that again, you're getting the entire body strong and durable for what will be seven days of stress. And then you want to also consider ever so gently, once you're probably at like three, three and a half, just 
add a second day that's getting a tick longer. So let's say instead of, uh, so you'll have one day a week of three and a half, that's your long run or three, and then another day that's now 90 minutes or an hour and 45 minutes. So that once the four is up, you're also handling multiple runs a week plus another medium length run. So you're starting to you know, mess with the different graphs of volume, but all the while keeping the four to five hour one steady. <laughs> and I think once you achieve a four hour window plus, and you feel good with the rest of the week of a 90 minute and a few other hour runs, um, I would think about putting a simulation in of doing, let's say three days of three hours a day. And I know that sounds drastic, like a big jump up, but one, it's shorter than your long run. Two, you are su supporting the long run the last few weeks with more running uh, during the week. Three, the three hours isn't that far from the hour and 45, the 90 minutes, close to two hours that you were doing a second day a week. So you're still within parameters. And that week, let's say all you do is those three times three hours, the rest of the time is off or recovery. Mm -hmm. And then now, you know, all right, close off that chapter. I'm done three times three. Right. And so then you go, I would go restart. I would go back to, all right, I'm going to keep my four. I'm going to build the second one to a four space those out, maybe a Thursday and a Sunday or a Wednesday and a Saturday. Um, ensure that I'm recovering effectively. And so that similar cycles building up to that I can do three days or four days of three hours or three days of four hours. So now you're talking 12 hours, you're at 50% of what you're looking to do. And again, that's a good way to gauge the progress. Okay. Now the question would be, do I need to do any speed work in there? Speed work is good just from an economy and efficiency of movement standpoint. So I would surely do that, but speed work is relative. I wouldn't necessarily do it more than 20 to 25% faster than what you're looking to hold for four hours. Okay. So in my mind, doing minutes per mile, but you could do the similar math for K's. Mm -hmm. um, if you're running six uh, a minute K's, so then you would say, all right, 20% faster than a six minute K. Six minutes is 360 seconds, so 20% uh, is 72 seconds. So now my my speed work is approximately um, 72 seconds from 360. So let's say 270 somewhat, 260 uh, seconds, which is about four and a half minute. So now that's your speed work. Okay. Your, your legs are turning over faster. You're engaging your hips and your core differently. Your stride is longer and kicks up differently, but that's plenty. Uh, maybe 25% faster if you're at the track or something like that. Right. So you can do one of those workouts where you're where changing speeds or you have a designated warm up. You're going to do some volume, um, maybe four or five K at those paces broken up. Let me four one thousands or some five, eight hundreds or, you know, 10, four hundreds at different, at those percentages. Mm-hmm. 
and then you warm down, let's say. So a good workout where you can just focus on leg turnover and running stride efficiency. I would surely run after a strength workout that you might um, find. There's plenty of good strength workouts in that respect on, on the internet. Um, good for runners, easy to research. But I would after um, run about 45 minutes, again, engaging the body to run on a fatigued state. The focus mm -hmm. of the day is the strength training. So we don't want to take away from that. Um, and that's why I don't like to run prior because then it's going to limit what the focus of the day is. And that is clearly strength. It's the one, it's the one or two days a week where, okay, strength is the focus for the day, but to after on that tired structure, skeletal structure, and also, um, where the weak spots are from the strength will quickly highlight themselves on the running and then going out and running with good form, no pace, nothing other than form and posture and footwork for 45 minutes is, is very valuable. It helps you overcome when the form is falling apart to maintain it, which is what you'll have when you're running three, four, five hours a day for seven days or six days where you say, I'm tired. How do I engage into that um, good running posture and form despite being so fatigued? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. That sounds. So that's two workouts. Then we said the medium run and then the long run, that's already four per week. Um, so, um, now you will also want to think on that overarching point on how you're setting this up, whether it's six times four, four times six or five times five, whatever that is, um, what your terrain is. And so you'll mm -hmm. want to start thinking about, well, if it's rolling hilly terrain, I need to prep for rolling hilly terrain. Um, and again, strength in that aspect um, will help, but also you want to run on the terrain that you're getting ready, ready for, you know, your horses for courses. You don't want to be um, used to f flat running and then have a pretty hilly course. Yeah, I've just adapted to that recently. Uh, <laughs> where we moved to is, is really, really pretty substantially hilly. And mm -hmm. um, before, relentlessly just, hilly that's yeah uh, vancouver is is constant up and down yeah not a lot in the steepness or uh, lengthwise it's more just it's rolling hills it's constant mm -hmm. no no yeah and before that i was in sort of farm country so the area i was in was hilly for where i was but it was not like it is here and so i my elevation here has uh yeah it's kind of maxed out pretty quickly which is cool it's, it's nice to see because i feel like I'm, I'm always happy to see weak points, so it's great, yeah. but I'm not totally sure where I'll be, uh, come, this is sort of where this big personal shift is happening. I'm not sure if I'll still be on the Island at that point or if uh -huh. I'll be back where I was. And so, um, part of me feels, and, and you could correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like I'm better off training for those Hills than I am training for flat in that scenario. Yeah. But either way, I mean, the journey is the training. And the mm -hmm. training is the journey. So to experience that in a beautiful location, like where you're at, is just makes this all the more memorable and meaningful Absolutely. Uh, versus yeah. something where you're in a familiar environment. Oh, don't get me wrong. That could be a beautiful journey as well. But it, it's just with a unique environment like that, even if you do return to Ontario or somewhere else, it'll just uh, add to the the excitement and the experience of what this was. 
Yeah, I think so too. I think yeah. so too, for sure. So you could do something like short explosive, let's say alternating weeks, you could do for sure some strides and high leg turnover efforts. And strides are basically where you take a soccer field um, and you divide it into thirds and you run the first 30 meters um, comfortable um, but good. Um, then the middle 30 meters quite fast and the last uh, 30 meters uh, sprinting. Um, but so you wind up the speed to end in a sprint over the the length of a soccer field and then run it out easy and you do six or seven or eight of those again really good for running economy oxygen uptake and so forth but not long enough to really lingering carry a lingering fatigue from right. um, so that would be one and then the opposite week the alternate week you could do the similar concept explosive but short 30 second 40 second hill repeats um nothing too steep but also nothing too flat maybe five or six or percent grade so that you can run with good form up it and really ask yourself to explode that heart rate in those 30 seconds in those 40 seconds walk or jog back down but again not long enough to really fatigue you or go into the energy stores that you'll be needing for other days but good for strength good for fitness good for economy and efficiency, good for overall getting that uh, VO2 max effect without lingering effects of it. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So that's five already. Um, so you do five workouts a week, so that uh, those strides are maybe a 45-minute workout. Uh, you want to keep those probably to under an hour. Then you have your medium run. Let's say that's 90 minutes, so now you're um, at 2.15, you're building that two-hour run to a four-hour run over time. So let's say it starts at 2. Um, so you're already at 4.15, let's say 4-ish. We'll round down a little bit since you're not going to jump right into that. Um, then that 45-minute run post-strength, you have four, 4.45 for the week. So that's one, two, three, four. Yeah, and then we said some speed work the track or where you're doing the percentage so add another hour to that so now that's a that's a solid amount of running a week for now five hours right. uh, five and a half to six hours but that will quickly jump to close to 10 hours eight to ten hours a week um, as you build up your cycles um, I would keep certain things constant as you increase the volume of the easy stuff to be able to observe yourself, how you're responding to it, change too many ingredients. And it's hard to monitor and be the observer of that for mm -hmm. yourself. Um, it's easier, let's say, if you have outside eyes on it, but you're not doing that. So um, therefore, you want to be able to capture that and so keeping some things constant so that you can see how you're feeling on that long run um, will be important okay and that so, being like some of the specific workouts yes so right. don't necessarily increase the amount of hill repeats every week or the amount of strides those can stay pretty effective with the same numbers let's say six to eight strides you don't need to increase those to much more than that and then your hill repeats you know eight times uh, 30 40 seconds is plenty um, six to eight of those um, 
because getting ready for what you're getting ready for doesn't require much more of a push than that. And the strength is there. Then your strength workout has its specific um, desired outcome and, and reasoning for it. So now you're doing your three other workouts per week um, with the, the speed. I wouldn't necessarily increase that much more than four or five K. That's plenty to have the desired effect four or five K of speed, not including warm up and warm down. Um, mm -hmm. So then you keep all those pretty steady once you get to a point that they feel good and, and, and absorbed. And then you increase those other two and soon be other three because those might be longer as you get into the spring that you maybe have um, two four hour runs a week and another you know two hour run or 90 minute run so you can see how these the, the pillars of the long run in your week are gradually increasing while the speed work and the quality stays pretty constant okay and at um, the end of each cycle i would surely put in a very easy week a recovery week so that despite feeling good you still want to build that in there because whenever we feel good it's the perfect time to take a break <laughs> right fair enough um and so those cycles when you're i think i know what the answer to this is going to be actually but is that is that really just going to be based on how you're feeling like there's no need how can i put it putting in rest weeks um do you try and program those in or do you try and really listen to what the body's telling you i would start with programming and adjust with listening okay so let's say you i would think about a four-week cycle here to build up from 90 minute long run to three and a half or three hour long run that's going to take some time um, it's going to take some time in the beginning to build up to the repeatable levels of those other workouts that they're at the proper level so let's say after four weeks i would give myself a recovery week either way because it's just okay. four weeks on paper for sure forced um, and then i might see you know what three weeks is good enough or two and a half weeks seems to be the sweet spot um, it doesn't have to be at this always at the culmination of a training build it could just be right in the middle of it that you say you know what i'll continue the build on the other side of this but now is a good time for a recovery week it seems to work best right here okay great yeah and then i would say you know i your simulations would probably want to be you know the three threes and then the four threes or the three fours um, and then you want to start thinking about, okay, um, versus just making it four days in a row or three days in a row, I would actually think about how do I space out um, four fours in a seven-day window? Or how do I space out three fives, three five-hour runs in a seven-day window once you've built up your tolerance of a five-hour run or something like that? Okay. Um, because the, the, the big volume week, similar as I'm doing currently with my athletes, we're capable of that. And we don't have to necessarily train for, um, to have the ability or have trained three, four hour days 
a week in order to attempt three five-hour days. Um, that's too linear. Um, you could easily do three five-hour days off of um, having trained up to two four-hour runs a week and one two-hour run. Because again, when you do the three five-hour runs in a week, we would drop the other things. Um, you get rid of the hill repeats. You get rid of the speed work that week. You get rid right. of the strides. You don't have the extra stuff. And so it'd be five off day, five off day, five off day. Um, there you go. And so now you're starting to see, all right, I can tolerate it. I'm, a, it, I'm staying healthy. Um, I'm able to train um, after a couple of days pretty effectively again. That's where all this really comes to fruition. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and also, when you look at your schedule and you do it and you sort of write it out, if it looks too linear, that should be a warning sign. The body doesn't work linear in training. It it works more in, in two, three steps forward, one step back being the step back being easy or a recovery week. Um, and then don't just build upon the past. Maybe go two steps back to start from a lower volume or a lower weekly total and then come back up. Um, further than you were before but it should not look super clean on paper always um, because eventually the body doesn't like that right i think i think i ran into that problem this summer um where it just felt like constant volume being added in the same progressive way and uh and they got to the point where after my my sort of rest weeks i'd go back in and i would just feel like sort of like i can't imagine upping the volume from where I was at, but that yeah. was sort of like, you know, the cut and dry plan. And, uh, and so, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. I think if I was listening to myself better, I would have gotten further along. I probably would have, you know, I didn't plan on doing a 56 K run. I planned on doing a longer one. And I think I would have gotten there if I was maybe being a little more intuitive with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not something that is easily defined or describable on why linear should be a, a little bit of a warning sign. And don't get me wrong, there's people where linear works because they're building in enough natural recovery anyway. And, you know, many economists would argue you, you can draw a line <laughs> through data however you want if you just change the variables. Enough. Right. <laughs> but, but, um, you know, as we build the training, it's more weekly and, and, and month over month. And if that part looks too linear, I would be sure or double check if what I'm doing is sustainable for my body to remain healthy. Um, and again, you can't be too rested for this stuff. If you're doing the work, having an extra day of recovery or having a, a down week where you're saying, okay, I'm not just going to start the build um, where I usually would. I'm going to um, back off for a week and then start the build. Just the body is just only going to enjoy, absorb, appreciate that and give you more on the other side of it. It's the consistency that pays off, not necessarily the linear growth and volume. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so that, that gets you pretty close. Now you're talking in a week, if you're doing f three five-hour runs, you know, 
I wouldn't overthink the simulations much more than, you know, four fours maybe or three fives. That's sixteen to fifteen to sixteen hours. Um, mm-hmm. That gets you pretty close. And I think with the with, with some sharpening from there, not necessarily speed sharpening, but you know, then if you did three fives, I would think what I would probably do would would play around with the weekly volume in different ways of saying, okay, 90 minutes today, three hours tomorrow, 90 minutes the next day, three hours. So things like that, where you just, you know, you're not pushing your body to the limit with regards to time, but over many days, you're keeping it super consistent and steady, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, so applying like, it doesn't necessarily matter if I've run, like, let's say I was looking at this in a more linear fashion, like thinking to myself, like, if I haven't been able to put in 21 hours of volume in a week, there's no way I can do 24. It, it's really about how you structure that and about how. That's the marathon approach that so many fall into a trap for. Mm-hmm. I need to run 20 or 22 or 24 miles before I think about running a marathon, I think you're fine at 16 to 18 running for a marathon. Um, Because the downstream effect of running 23, 22, the recovery is so much longer, you'd rather follow it up with consistency. And Mm so, yeah, I think when you ask your body to do what it needs to do, come that week, A, it'll be ready. B, because you're going to create that infrastructure around it that's going to support you totally differently or better, not totally different, better than what you usually would support yourself with, it'll give you so much more comfortably. So 75% is usually a good, 80% is a good space to be in the endurance world. Now, this doesn't apply to if you're running a 10k or 5k. Um, There you want to do the distances because you can recover from them quickly. But let's say a multi-day event or a 24-hour event, you have to figure 80% of that, you know, is around you know, 18 to 19 hours. If you can get in an 18, 19 hour a week, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's plenty. Okay. Great. Um, well, I know my, uh, my time here is wrapping up. Um, it's okay. I really, I it's okay. I want to make sure that we answer all the questions. <clears throat> no, I, I think this is, this is so much to go off of and, uh, inevitably a million more questions will come up, uh, yeah. as I'm doing all this, but I think, Hopefully, from the sounds of it, my body will answer a lot of them for me. Mm-hmm. And so I feel confident in that. Um, yeah, and and from a timing standpoint, you also want to think, if you're thinking, let's just say June of 2021, you don't want to be in that three by five hour fitness until March or April. Okay. Right? You have time. Um, because then it gives you may to do another simulation maybe that what we said that um where you do uh, four three hours and a couple of 90 minute runs in between so that adds up to another you know three and a half four and a half on top of that uh three four hours so now you're at 16 and a half 17 hours that's that's pretty close right let's say you do that in may then then you're ready and you're ready to take on with the recovery 
window prior to the to June 2021 that you're ready to to tackle the seven days or six days or however um, you will define it. But that first step way back needs to define at least in your head how you want to train for this. If it's six days of four, seven days of three and a half, five days of five, because that will dictate how you're going to build your long runs. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And um, I'm actually glad you brought that up because so if this if this for some reason this project does get pushed this cycle i can think of it as you know around two months before i want to actually be executing two to three months is when i want that sort of window of fitness of those three five hours or whatever it happens to be to be sort of where that's at and so i can adjust my cycle accordingly to when we're actually going to start yeah yeah you could or you can just do a rebuild so let's say you're deciding you're not going to do um, June 2021, but you get to April and you did that simulation. Well, then you pull back, recover, and build with all the knowledge you've gained to the next build and platform and so forth so that it becomes an easier, quicker build to you know, three fives and maybe 90 minutes in between. Or maybe you do three days of five and two days of three and one day of two, right? And mm -hmm. because you're so close and that way, at least even if you don't actually do it in June, 2021, you've done three days of five, two days of three. So that puts you at, you know, it's 21. And, you know, again, by doing th that and you'll have plenty of time to recover in between. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, you know, if I can just say, um, this past year, as with everybody, um, was incredibly difficult and, um, all of it actually was totally outside of everything to do with the pandemic. We had a, an incredibly difficult year. And one of the things I had told myself was that if we get through this all, um, I really want to dedicate myself to something I'm, I'm super passionate about. And one of the first things that came up was something like this, some kind of idea like this. And one of the first things I thought of was, I, I wanted to speak to you about this and it's been it, months and months of just kind of putting away a little money. So there's time. So I have it so that I could, I could do this. And it's, it just, it, um, it sort of, this feels like a important, uh, moment in my life being able to have this conversation because it, it, it speaks to what, what I've gotten through this past year. And, and so, um, as much as this training plan is exciting and everything, it, it, it's very meaningful in that way too. So thank you. Good, good. I'm glad to hear that. And like we said from the very beginning, don't, and I've been saying a lot to my athletes is don't let fear interfere with what you want to do. And this is going to be doable and something that you can then apply your energy to helping the other six along the way as well. Um, and I think that's incredibly valuable and part of the fun of this journey. Um, so I think that's uh, you're on the on a great path and prep for this. And also, as those questions come up or if you need help, do not hesitate to send me an email or reach out and, you know, ask away. That's that's part of this, the growth of this and how we sort of kick through this is part of the part of the coaching and the development of all this. Okay. Well, thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, 
I'll definitely take advantage of that then. Yeah, for sure. No, a lot of, a lot of athletes on consults, um, reach out after and have a follow up or even, you know, check with a few other questions or what they need. Like, I'd be curious to know how your nutrition and fueling is going and I can provide some ideas and insights around that. Um, by email and, and what you need and, and how you want to go about it more um, numbers wise. Right. So, um, but this early on, you want to take advantage of your own education in this, right? Your, right. your development in this is, is a lot of its education and it's going to be applicable and valuable for any type of um, endurance endeavor you take on or other endeavors in the future from a long mountaineering trip or hiking trip all this data is just what it's built up as a new um, subconscious knowledge and data to tap from that you will have for the rest of your life that's exciting yeah yeah and i that's great too because i already have 10 other projects planned. So that's cool. This is a good start though. I'm great. really excited about this. So thank you. Great. Great. Well, you have a wonderful um, prep for this for the next few weeks and months and keep me in the loop. I'm curious to hear how it goes and how many people you've recruited. It might, might even be more than seven. <laughs> well, hopefully it's at least, otherwise I have to run more than 24 hours. Right. So yes, yes. <laughs> but um, maybe you never know how, how well prepared you'll be. Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. Good. Okay. Stay healthy. That's the main thing. Consistency, because you're healthy, allows you to build that platform. If you're not healthy, you can't be consistent, and then things get a little untangled. So be conservative. Stay healthy. Take care of your body. Give it the nutrients and the recovery it needs, and keep keep running. Okay. Will do. All righty. Well. All right. Thanks, Chris. Of Have course. Yeah. You too. Bye. Okay. Bye.